the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Philippians chapter 4, we'll start at verse 4 and work our way down to verse 10, and then we'll focus on verse 11 tonight. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and being content with its earthly lot of whatsoever that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and model your way of living on it, and the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being, will be with you. And then, in a personal note, he says, I was made very happy in the Lord, that now you have revived your interest in my welfare. After so long a time, you were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity to show it. As I said before, and I said it again just a few minutes ago, that Paul is reviewing the fundamentals. This is the close of the letter, and he's reviewing the fundamentals of what it is to live the Christian life with them at the close. And last week we looked at verse 9 where Paul commands them to practice what they have learned, which means to live it out by faith. It's living out the truth. It's in the living out the truth that we're affirmed in the truth. Now, I've made this statement before, but I want to make sure you understand that. 
when the Lord calls us to a position of obedience, it's a position of faith wherein we appropriate what he says about himself in the living of life. It's where we walk in the truth, and that is where we're affirmed. What we want to know, what we want, typically, is that God give us confidence and strength before we step out. That God give us assurance and hope before we actually enter into obedience. But that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is a plan of faith whereby He allows circumstances in our life that will not give us any sense of security or confidence, but we go forward in confidence in Him. Because what is this life about? It's about knowing Him, isn't it? If you believe it's about anything else, you're going to be disappointed. Because the truth is that every circumstance that you're facing right now is not a circumstance for you to conquer. It's not going to make life sweeter when you get above it or behind it or beyond it. It actually has the purpose that you know Him in it. And if you miss it, you'll learn it again. Continually. In fact, you don't need to look at that as punishment. It's the purpose of living. It's why we live, moment by moment. You know why you're alive? You know why you got out of bed this morning? To know Him. Oh, you thought it was to fix breakfast. Or go to work. Or be a friend to someone. Or tackle the problems of the day. No. It was to know Him. If you're struggling to try to find life apart from that purpose, you won't. The Christian life for us is a life that we live by the strength of Christ's life in us. And it does require a determination. Paul says, my determined purpose is to know him. And when he makes that statement, he wants you to understand that this is a determination of the will. This is not just something he casually says. That he literally has to will. The will means that he literally appropriates that life in him in his walk. The soul, that is the mind, will, and emotions, will naturally receive from the world. We get it all day long. All day long we're being fed, aren't we? We may not recognize it. But you're being fed by the radio. You're being fed by the television. You're being fed by the people around you. You're being fed by your perceptions. You're being fed 24-7. The soul will always be fed because it is a receiver. It's designed to receive. But here's the truth for the Christian. We are designed to receive from the Spirit of God. That's the only thing that balances the worldly messages that we receive. If we don't receive from the Spirit of God, what we receive is unbelief. Paul says, practice living a Christ-centered life. You've been taught the truth, now appropriate it. Own it by faith. Now in this verse, in verse 10, he speaks a word of thankfulness. First unto the Lord as his source, and then secondly to them that have blessed him. You see, it had been ten years since he had founded the church in Philippi. And when he left that church and went on his missionary journeys, the church at Philippi, the Philippians, supported him and continued to support him. But that was kind of difficult because Paul was constantly traveling. And eventually they lost track of him or their ability to support him ceased. 
When he says, I'm so happy that you've renewed your interest in my situation, what he is saying is not that it's about time. What he is saying is, I am glad that the interest that you have in me, the, the love that you have for me, is still alive and awakened. But here's the neat thing. He says, I rejoice in the Lord, or I have happiness in the Lord. So well, here's what Paul sees. Paul sees the affection of the Philippians as being from God. That's the way he sees it. Now, you know, we're real quick to attribute bad things to God's judgment. I hear it all, well, you know, that happened because they did this, or that happened to me because I didn't do that. You know, God is, God is doing this because of that. We're quick to go there, and the enemy helps us out in that. But we rarely see the truth of all that we receive in this life. We receive either by the will of God, or that God has allowed it. And when it is a blessing, it is from His hand for you. And it has a purpose. Its purpose is not to sustain you. Did you hear me? The blessings of God, their purpose is not to sustain you. Their purpose is to focus you on Him as your provider. The provision that you receive from this world, that you receive from your work, from your friends, from your family, from the lottery, wherever you got it, was not meant to sustain you. But for you to understand that you have a provider who loves you. You see, Paul was making it very clear. He says, I am so grateful that God has given you an opportunity to express the love that He put in you for me. That's why He's rejoicing in the Lord. He's happy in the Lord. Happiness being a joy over the things that have happened. But it's in the Lord, which means He is rejoicing in what God is doing in the life of the Philippians. That's what He's saying. Also, I want to point out that when Paul makes this statement, he's actually pointing them back to verse 4, chapter 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. He is saying, I'm rejoicing because I see this as God's hands. I am happy in the Lord because I see it from the Lord. Now, that is renewing and that is returning the truth back to the mind, to the soul. It is continually rehearsing that we come into this, this walk with nothing, that everything we have comes from Him. When he says to rejoice in the Lord, he is saying be confident in the Lord that your provision is from Him, that you're, that you're accepted by Him, that you're loved by Him. So in that time he looks to them and he says, I've been blessed by God through you. Rejoice in the Lord. This is a spiritual rejoicing. Now, Philippians 4.11, he says, Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I'm in. Now, in this verse, Paul's giving a personal testimony to his determination to live out of verse 6 in chapter 4, where he says, Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. You see, Paul, as I pointed out before, had lived some time without their support. 
if he had seen the support of the Philippians as being critical to his ability to continue in the ministry, he would have had to quit, wouldn't he? But he didn't see that. You know what? Paul had a very interesting point of view. He saw Christ as his provision, not the Philippians. And he says, not that I have any need. Now, how many pastors you know would make that statement to the congregation? I really don't need your support. They wouldn't say that, would they? Well, I wonder why. Why would they make that statement? They wouldn't make that statement because they would be afraid that you would stop giving. I don't preach on tithing. Because tithing is an Old Testament commandment, covenant, that was designed to discipline people in the truth that God is their provider and that all things come by His hand. It was a commandment to reflect in that reality, most commandments are. That everything that we have comes from Him. We can liberally give out of what we liberally receive. I will never give away all that God is, all that God has. I can walk with freedom and liberty, knowing that everything that I have comes from His hand. What we want you to embrace is that we don't tithe, we give. And we give because it suits us to give. Because God commanded that it be an exercise, what he's talking about, a practice acting true to your new nature, to give out of who you are. You see, you are vessels which contain the life, the charity, the goodness of God, and out of you will pour those things. They will pour in obedience to the direction of the Spirit of God. Not to your sympathies, but to His command, to His working in your life, to His instruction. Every time, if God gives you something, every time that you pay it out, you say, you know what, it's not mine, it's yours. It's not mine, it's yours. That's what giving is. If you try to make it anything else, it becomes law. In law, and in tithing in the law, which many churches teach, what you're practicing is Christian superstition. It's Christian superstition. It says, if I just give, God will somehow miraculously bless me so that I can give and have more. It's the idea that if I give, I will have more materially. If I give a dollar, I'll get ten dollars back. It is the rabbit's foot of Christianity and of of religion. But the reality is that the more you give out, the more you realize the truth that you have within. So you can give more and never fear. You know why we don't give any more than we do? We're so fearful that somehow we're going to lose life, that we're not going to be able to maintain our standard, that we're not going to be able to be financially cared for or or be cared for personally because our security is not in God. It's in what we have. Paul says, "I, I really don't need it. I've lived fine without it. It's not that that I'm rejoicing over. You notice in verse 10, he doesn't even make any mention of what they sent. There's no mention of it. He didn't say, I appreciate all that gold you sent, and uh, boy, just keep those cards and letters coming, because we've got a real ministry down here, and it really needs it. Listen, I don't want to be misunderstood, and I'm not being critical of anybody. This is not pointed at anybody. 
This ministry doesn't need your money. It needs Jesus. It needs the life and the presence of Him to flow through it in order for it to be ministry. I'm grateful for what God puts in your heart to give. Because obviously we have, we have physical needs that money meets. But it is not because you give that this ministry exists. It exists by the will of God. As will this church. And we may be meeting in somebody's backyard. But it will be the best place for us because it is where God has allowed us to be. And we'll rejoice. Because we don't stand on the backs of men. We are kept by God. And that is enough. Somebody would say, well, you know, that's kind of a silly way to, silly thing to preach at this time. But no, it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Psalm 37.5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. And it literally means in the Hebrew, Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. That's what it means. The Amplified brings it out. It says, Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him. For He cares for you affectionately. He cares about you watchfully. Here's the reality. Anxiety, fear, worry. Though they may occur in the soul, they may crop up like weeds. The issue of unbelief is when we water and care for them and keep them. Because here's the reality. When I came to Christ, I put it all there. I gave it all to Him. To the degree that you are gathering up and burying it in your tent. To the degree that you're not releasing it. To the degree that you're holding on to it. You're displacing your confidence. You're displacing your joy. You're displacing your rest. We weren't designed to live that way. You've given it all. It's all there. Once and for all, you gave it. Recognize it. Embrace it. Paul says in verse 11, I'm not applying I need anything or even hitting around for more stuff. Which would be typical of us, wouldn't it? When you send something, you get another letter, right? Praise the Lord. It was sure needed. And we're about to start this plan and project too. Listen, guys. Paul's not doing any of that. He says, I don't need anything. Philippians 4.19, which we'll get to, it says, And my God will liberally, liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's not monetary, by the way. It means that everything you need is Jesus, and Jesus is everything you need. And to the degree you give up what you think you need apart from Him, you'll embrace more of the truth of what you have in Him. Paul says he has learned how to be content, which means it's progressive, isn't it? I mean, that is the truth. What he's talking about is the training of the soul through circumstances of life by trusting and believing God in all things. He's gone from knowing about to really knowing in his life. He has a history with the Lord. How did he learn it? How did he learn that Jesus was enough? How did he learn that it was more precious to know Him than to have the things of this world or to have the acceptance of men? I'll tell you the same way you're learning it. 
Because you're learning to know Him when you have held on to knowing people and people reject you and people don't love you enough and people don't give you what you want and you find yourself completely broken underneath it and you reach out for Him and you discover that He was what you were looking for all along. You discover it when you thought that you had security in the things of this life and suddenly they begin finish and take away and to each degree they're taken you cry out to the Lord and you play, plead with the Lord and the Lord gives you himself and you eventually take hold of that and you recognize it's greater than anything you could have gathered for yourself because listen guys the reward of life is knowing him it's Jesus it's not the material things of this world. It's Jesus. And you say, oh, I believe that. Well, you know what? You may believe that, but you may have to learn this lesson in your health. You may have to learn this lesson in your loved ones. You may have to learn this lesson in all manner of ways. But He is faithful. He is faithful and loving to teach us because in those things we find a freedom, a freedom that's not dependent upon being kept by man are being held together by our physical well-being. Paul says, I have need of nothing. I've learned to be content in whatever state I am. And he's not talking about Texas. He is talking about his condition, whatever his condition would be. You know that the word content actually means contained. What it is, it's a man who has everything he needs within and needs to grasp for nothing without. That is contained. God has met every need in Himself. That's where that Psalm 73, 25 and 26 that we just sang, Whom have I in heaven but you? And I have no delight or desire on earth beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the rock and firm strength of my heart and my portion forever. I paraphrase that by saying, My flesh may not get what it wants or needs. I may be sick or impoverished. My soul may not always hold to the truth. But the truth of my life is God is the strength of my life. He is the power of my life. It is God who sustains me, and He is my sustenance forever. We set our minds on the truth. If we fill our souls with the appetites of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, there will be no room for contentment. You know that air and water can't occupy the same space? They can't. If you have a container... And it's got air and water in it. To the degree you put more air in it, you're going to lose water. To the degree that you put more water in it, you're going to lose air. This is the reality of the condition of the soul. You are complete in Christ. You are in union with His Spirit right here. You want to know where contentment exists? You are content right here. Contentment is a spiritual condition. The world cannot give you contentment. It cannot give it to you. Because here's the thing. Nothing that the world can give you will give you life. And that life being sustaining, perpetuated, in need of nothing else. It is self-perpetuated life. 
We're talking about Jesus. Right? In this place is contentment. To the degree that you feed upon the world, take in the world, and the world becomes your determined purpose. I've got to have this. I need that for life. I need You displace where the contentment is supposed to come from. To the degree that you allow the Spirit of God to have preeminence in your thoughts and your actions as you practice the truth in living this life, you displace all that the world would feed you and allow to take root there. What the world would make your focus. We set our minds on truth and we develop appetites for the things that affirm us in truth or we will be ever needing and dependent on the world to bring us fulfillment. And I've heard this quoted many times, but I think it is so appropriate and so to the point. John D. Rockefeller was once asked how much money is enough. He thought for a moment and said, just a little bit more than one has. That's the truth of the world, of any material thing that you might grope for in this life. And you know what that is also true of? It's true of your relationships, apart from Christ. They'll never be fulfilling enough. The woman will never be good enough. The man will never be good enough. And here, you know why we have so much divorce in the world? It's because they've come to the truth that, hey, all of this stuff that was supposed to give me life and marriage never gave me life. Two ticks, no dog. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.